For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come and You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and leading the line from the front once again is Cole. So Cole, how have things been in the past week? Well, apart from football, mate, not too bad. But I, I think these podcasts are saving me quite a bit of money on therapy at the moment. So uh, I'm looking forward to this one again. Yeah, there's going to be plenty to get off our chest this week. And that means also joining us is James. So, James, how have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, it's quite depressing watching Tottenham at the moment. But uh, as Carl says, it's nice to let off a little bit of steam, have a little bit of a rant and a moan. And, uh, and hopefully we'll all feel a little bit better after it. While also on the panel tonight is the returning Kevin Gower. So, Kev, it's a pleasure to have you back on board. How have things been since we last spoke? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, mate. It's a shame I couldn't be back on in more uh, better circumstances. But what can you do, eh? So, uh, but looking forward to it. Thanks, mate. Right, let's get the social media bits out of the way first so we can dissect Sunday and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Common New Spurs app where the podcast will be available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at COIS underscore COM. And we're on all the major audio platforms, which is Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. You name it, we're on there. Right then, let's get down to business. And that business is another bad day at the office. And, Cole, it seems that things are going to get a lot worse before they get better under Jose Mourinho. I think, you, I think you're right, Dan, to be honest. You know, I was kind of thinking about this today. And, you know, when you look at everything you know, that's going on at the moment, I kind of get the feeling that the rest of this season is going to be one long, hard slog. Um, and, you know, you don't get the impression there are going to be many enjoyable games to sit there and watch. And those that we do win are going to be tough fights to get over the line. And I get the feeling, if you watch us at the moment, especially defensively, we're probably going to, you know, we're probably going to lose a few that are not going to be comfortable viewing. Um, and yeah, like you say, at the moment, you just can't really see where the positivity is is coming from. Um, and yeah, things are looking a little bit bleak, aren't they? I think they are, unfortunately. James, we'll get to the game in itself in a moment. But I guess the most frustrating aspect of these last few weeks from a league point of view is that every time Chelsea leave that door just slightly ajar and give us that level of hope, we seem to then just slam that same door in our own faces. Yeah, it's it's awful. You know, we spent Saturday celebrating Bournemouth's really great result against Chelsea. Um, you know, a chance to to go within one win uh, of the top four, and and we blow it again. It's it's really frustrating because we you know somehow this weekend we've actually managed to lose ground despite Chelsea only drawing against Bournemouth, you know, and, you know, Man United, luckily they, they only managed to draw, but but they're also gaining points, you know, and teams around us, Sheffield, Wolves, they seem to be on the on, on a bit of an upwards trend and, and we seem to be going in the other direction. And it's a positive that we, we probably won't need to finish in the top four. Fifth might, might be enough, but are we even going to finish fifth in order to get Champions League football it's all a little bit up in the air at the moment and it'd be nice for us to, to be able to put one of these opportunities to bed and and, and really assert ourselves as, as actually deserving to be part of that chasing pack because at the moment we, we look like a, a mid-table team who, who don't, doesn't deserve to be in the position that we're in. Well this is it Kev, this was the next point I was going to make to yourself because you know we've 
almost as a club celebrated the fact that Man City are in a bit of a mire and that has potentially opened up fifth. But now you've got Manchester United, Wolves in stronger position. So even if the, you know, the I guess the threshold is lower to fifth, life's even hard enough to get that. So it's not looking too good from a Champions League point of view, is it? No, the performances at the moment are terrible, um, let's be honest. Um, I mean, it could be... I mean, it's, it's mad that we've still got even a chance of qualifying for the Champions League considering how terrible we've been this season. Um, and I'm just glad we got to 40 points, to be honest, because I honestly don't know where the next win's coming from. But you never know. I mean, the teams around us are, uh, are inconsistent, the same as we are. Uh, any one of us who can, can put sort of three or four runs, to, sort of wins together... Um, might just pip it, but I'm not. I'm not very confident at the moment, to be honest. Well, I'll stay with you, Kev. I think that fundamentally is the problem that we don't look like a team that can put three or four run. Sorry, a three or four win run together at the moment. Because yes, there's you could say lack of quality in the Premier League below the top three or four, but we haven't really got any sort of advantage either, have we? You know, we're sort of in that mire. You could argue the less of the pack are chasing for the fourth. So, you know, it's just like where's this run or any win going to come from? Well, exactly. Um, recent performances don't look too encouraging, do they? Um, I mean, we were all sort of a bit disappointed after the Chelsea defeat, saying, like, why couldn't we be a bit more sort of uh, positive rather than negative? And then we're more positive against Wolves and then we end up losing 3-2. So, it, like you say, it's, it's difficult to see where we're going to get this run of wins from. Um, it's quite concerning. So, Cole, let's focus on the game itself. First up, what did you make of Mourinho's decision to match Wolves in a 3-4-3 setup, and more importantly, the personnel that made up our back trio? Well, I think obviously his main aim, wasn't it? He, he was worried about the pace, wasn't he? You could clearly see that there was a view there that the first game, you know, we kind of got out of jail a little bit, you know, and pace was the main thing that was killing us. And obviously, he's looked at that and was kind of worried. Um, so he tried to thought, you know, match them up, you know, the way they're going to go, and, and maybe we'll get some joy, but. I think that kind of also goes into the way the season's going, isn't it? You know, too much, you know, mixing and matching and changing every formation every week and, and, and you just can't get settled. And we actually look aside that, that isn't really settled, isn't comfortable in what we're doing. Um, and, and obviously that lack of confidence just, you know, it seems to be displaying itself on the pitch, players unsure. Um, and then obviously you... you put into the mix that, you know, he rests suddenly Toby, who's been a mainstay there this year, you know, Nova Tongan, um, you know, you've got Tanganga, who's still learning, uh, put him alongside the likes of Sanchez and that, who's, who's prone to the odd mistake, and you got Eric Dyer moves into the back, and, and it, it kind of just, I think it just looked like it had unsettled everybody, um, and I'm not sure what the thinking is with Toby, maybe he just feels he's played, you know, maybe a few games you know, more than he wanted him to at this stage. You know, obviously he has had the birth of his son. Um, you had Giroud outpacing him last week. Maybe he felt a rest was due looking at Norwich in the week to kind of think, you know, is, is he now looking at an FA Cup as possibly the main thing that this season he wants to focus on? Um, but I think it's just pure uncertainty. And I think, you know, the change in the formation every week just shows that. I don't think he's settled. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't think we'll see anything settled until next season now. I do think we'll just be trying to constantly find the right mix and team that can get us through each fixture as it comes. Well, this is a point I was going to raise later. But as you mentioned, I'll bring in James now. So, James, in terms of the personnel and the changes that have been made, is there, I guess, a caveat that, 
if there are going to be times where you need to chop and change, this is the time while you're still in that work in progress mode. So I guess it's a case of sort of you're down if you do, down if you don't. But really, there needs to be a better form of continuity overall. Yeah, but I think we're at that stage, as you say, with with Mourinho, where we, none of us know what our best eleven is, and and we do need to just try new things to, to try and you know hit the nail on the head. If you go back a couple of months, there's no way that that Tanganga would even be in the squad, let alone um, let alone be in most people's starting eleven. But now, because of that that tinkering and swapping and changing, he's one of our one of our best and most consistent players. Um, we're slowly, slowly getting closer to to, to what could be our best eleven, um, but you know it's all circumstantial as well. Look at the injuries; that we're going to have to chop and change consistently just because we we don't have any any particular system to play without without players like Son and players like Kane. Um, we are going to have to try different players in that centre forward role. We're going to have to try different players, uh, wing backs, trying to have to you know. The, the formation that we ended against Wolves with, I, I couldn't even tell you. I think Jedson at right back, I think Harry Winks was covering left back. It was just a bit all over the place. Um, so I think we, we're gonna we're gonna have to just put up with this this tinkering um, until Mourinho kind of stumbles across what is what is our best formation. I think, as I say, I think we are slowly getting there. Um, things like the the Winks and Lascelles midfield too. I think that's something that we stumbled across. Um, that no one would have thought would have worked, but I think it works quite well. Two two very tidy players, um, and two players that, that are good at getting stuck in. So you know, there's less need there for a, a a defensive midfielder, so to speak. I think that that pivot kind of works with those two. Um, but then it's it's what what else we do? You know, everything around that. Is there any room for Ndombele in there at the moment? Definitely not. Um, who who takes that centre forward role? Deli Ali is the standout candidate, but he clearly isn't cutting the mustard there. Um, we've got two good wide players in in Bergwijn and Lucas that they can they can stay where they are, but then that does leave that gap in the middle. Um, and and as for the back, you know, Carl's absolutely right. Tanganga being part of a back three, I think was was a good ploy um, to cope with the Dharma. Um, but why Eric Dyer instead of Toby? You know, two two players who who have both got similarly, you know, lacking in pace. Um, but Toby's got so many more attributes than than Dyer. So why not go with him? You know, if we, if we're going to sacrifice a bit of pace for for a bit of brawn, which which is what his idea was with Dyer, why not have Toby in there who can also pass the ball? Who can also um, you know, lead, be, be a leader on the pitch. It, it's a confusing one for me, but you know, I, I think we are in for a few interesting starting elevens, a few um, starting lineup meltdowns on Twitter, uh, and I think you know it's just going to have to be the way it is until until Mourinho lands upon something that that is that is uh, a working formula. Kev, let's stay on the topic of Eric Dyer. So he was in the middle of that defensive trio yesterday. And he, he's made no secret of the fact that he'd like to return to centre defence. Now, Reno felt he had a good game yesterday. Is that something you agree with? More importantly, can you see him slotting further back or has he become the ultimate jack-of-all-trades, master of none? I think um, with Eric Dyer, I don't think he should be anywhere near the starting eleven. if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, I know Josie said that he thought he played well there, um, but I echo um, the guys are saying, really. I mean... 
I don't know why he was starting there yesterday. He's been, obviously, with his injuries and illnesses and stuff, he hasn't looked the same player since he's come back. He still doesn't look the same player to me. Um, he's still prone to errors. Um, I wouldn't even have him um, at centre-back or as a defensive midfielder if it was me. Um, I think he's a now a squad player at best. But even then, it's like, even in like cup games and stuff, it's like, well, you'd rather play... Um, possibly somebody else in there, like the guy was saying, like with the Celso and Winks. Um, if he wasn't the Celso and Winks, it'd possibly be in Dombele and Winks or when Sissoko comes back. Um, so the only place for it, guy, really is centre back, but he's our worst centre back, if I'm being honest. So I wouldn't have him anywhere near the squad. Yeah, I think, you know, if we get to the summer and the, there is the upheaval that we are expecting, that I think if someone comes in with a, you know, I don't know, even what the value would be, 35, 40 million pounds for Dyer, and I think it might be one that has to be considered. And Carl, another player who might be considered for the chopping block is Eric, Eric Namella, because he didn't feature yesterday because of injury. All the more frustrating because we were perhaps advocating that he could feature as a wide forward in a attacking quartet. So, you know, it's another blow. Is that the absence and the injury where the Tottenham hierarchy think, do you know what, this really is time just to move him on? Well, I think this is the shame, isn't it? You know, the one thing we have to say is when, when Lamella has made an appearance this season, you, you can't knock him for the fact that he gets on, he suddenly, you know, he puts himself about and you wouldn't knock his desire. And I have to admit, right now, after the Chelsea game and the way that, you know, the sort of impact he had when he come on, you'd have been pushing for him to make a start and go, well, actually, we probably look a little bit better when he's playing. But again, he picks up another injury. Um, and I think, unfortunately, we have reached a point with Lamella where you have to say, listen, you do offer something when you're available. Unfortunately, that availability just isn't enough throughout a season, especially when we're looking to play the sort of games we're looking to play and the amount we're going to play, where actually, does he actually really contribute now over the course of the season? And unfortunately, I think the answer is no. And what we've also got to look at now is you know, how long before actually no one's interested in buying him and actually his age starts catching up where the transfer fee and obviously what you can get for him starts deteriorating badly. So I do think this summer, unfortunately, if, if I was part of the board and we're making plans right now, I'm sitting there and on my list for selling goes Eric Lamella and it's purely based on the fact that you can't have a guy in a squad who maybe gets seven, eight games over the course of a season and, you know, is out for most of it, unfortunately. You need players who contribute and he's just, he's just not doing it. Yeah, I'd have to agree fully. I mean, there's no doubt that when he is on the pitch, he's a decent hand, but those fleeting performances are far too few and far between, aren't they, for the, the rate of games he's played for the money and the length of the service he's had. I think now it has to be the, probably the time where you look for pastures new. James, no Lamella, but there were goals from elsewhere. And once again, Steven Bergvom's on the score sheet. So he's only second for the club. What did you make of his performance? Is he holding his own considering he's been playing in literally a different position in every game so far? Yeah, I, th I think he is. I think he's he's a real smart investment. Um, a, a bit of a, a shining light in, in what has been a pretty dark few weeks. And I think he's a, he's a player that we can really use um, if you if you think if, if we hadn't signed him and we were still using Lucas Moura in that in that centre centre forward role, then who would we be playing out wide? You know, it's not a very long list for who we'd be playing there. But instead, we've got a, a really tidy little player in Bergwijn. He you know he's clearly got an eye for goal as well. 
Um, and I, it's it's something that we're we're really lacking in this team is is a player who, when they get on the ball, that they, they they get fans out their seats and and you know he's got a little bit of Aaron Lennon about him. Um, he likes he likes to run at a player, maybe not as much as we'd like to see, but you know the guy's only been here a couple of weeks. His his confidence isn't exactly going to be sky high. Um, so a real smart investment. He's he's only a young lad as well, so he's. Um, he's going to be around this team and around this squad for for a, a good number of years, and uh, and clearly very versatile. He really impressed me with how he, how good his first touch is. Um, he's also got a very decent pass on him, which was something that I, I really didn't expect. Um, so yeah, he's kind of hit the ground running and a real good, solid investment. And uh, hopefully, he can he can carry on where he uh, where he's left off. Kev, let's go back to Jose Mourinho now. And I know you mentioned a tweet, uh, I think it was today or yesterday, about some people are already clamouring for him to leave or depart. And I think it's a bit, I don't know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, shall we say. I know you are sort of someone who's advocating giving him time. Do you want to expand on your viewpoint? Yeah, I just think, I think, I think some of the Spurs fans on Twitter are just getting a bit carried away with wanting him out and saying his negative style of play and... Um, he's passed it and all this stuff. I mean, the guy's been there four months. He's been very unlucky. The fact that he's lost Kane and Son. Um, obviously, Kane's been out for what two months now. He's obviously lost Son recently. Um, he wasn't given a striker in January when we desperately needed one. Um, it's not the squad wasn't good under Poch um, in those final few months, and it was. It's not going to be. He's not going to come in and literally like click his fingers, and it's all going to turn around, and we're going to turn into like prime Barcelona and start shooting up the table. Um, I'm always the advocate for giving a manager time. Um, I think he needs a pre-season. He needs um, to be able to get in. Obviously, Levy depending, getting his own players in the summer. And I think if we're still playing this kind of football, um, when it gets to sort of Christmas time, after he's had his pre-season and after he's made changes and after he's got rid of the players he wants to get rid of, then I think we could possibly start asking questions. But now it's just far too early. I mean, the guy's been there four months. Yeah, I can't agree any more to that, really. I mean, you can't really be advocating for someone to be leaving a job so quickly. I think, you know, we're still in a massive work in progress project I hate to use that word but we are where we are and I think you know you're not going to get any insights really until the start of next season so I think you've got to give him time if nothing else Carl if we go back to the game I think we've certainly shown we can score goals that almost has sort of been alleviated to a certain degree not solved but you know at least there are some shines of light in terms of the attacking third however the defensive third undone all our hard work and you only have to look at Wolves first equaliser for positive proof of that yeah, and and unfortunately, this this is the real key, isn't it? I think you know we we can call for attacking football, um, but if you can't defend, you know, the, one of the basics is you know if you don't concede, then you got a great chance of winning games, and at, at worst, getting a draw. We're just conceding way too many, and defensively, we are just a bit of a shambles at the moment all round. You know, any set plays that go into the box, you kind of fear in the end result because you know it always seems to be the opposition team that are getting a header on a corner or a set play. You know, when when teams attack us, we kind of they have men overloading us on one side of the pitch, and before you know it. The minute the ball switch, you're suddenly seeing men free with no one near them. Um, and, and it is, it's just, you know, it just looks like it's chaos back there. And no one's really taking control of what's happening. There doesn't seem to be a leader in that back four um, or, or free, however you want to set it up. Uh, and it, 
you know, once you're leaking goals, that just drains confidence in everybody, you know, and then you're starting to think, well, even if we can, we score two like this weekend, we're liable to concede three or four and, you know, it undoes all the hard work, doesn't it? But that's the only thing you could sit there and possibly say you feel a little bit disappointed under Mourinho so far. Had a great defensive record, wasn't he? You know, kind of really solid doesn't give away many goals and unfortunately we haven't seen him be able to kind of put that stamp on this side yet and we are too vulnerable defensively and teams seem to find it too easy to get through us create chances and unfortunately in the Premier League that is going to punish you all the time and and you won't win many games if you can't keep the ball out I'm afraid. Absolutely however we did find ourselves in front at half time James a well taken goal by Serge Aurier Apart from his goal, how did you think he fared in the battle of the wing-backs? Because I think with the shape of the 3-4-3s going up against each other, Whitford was certainly the key battle area yesterday. Yeah, I, th- I think he was one of our um, one of our better performers, which is uh, probably not a great thing. You know, it just shows how, how bad the rest of the team is if, if Serge Aurier is probably our, our most creative outlet. Um, you know, that said, uh, a few good little crosses if you, had a, if you had a striker to aim at. Um, but, you know, I think he's got to adapt his game to the fact that we don't have a striker. You know, he might be putting in some great crosses, but if there's no one there to head him, then, you know, you should maybe think about um, some other avenues. Uh, He took his goal really well. That's that's something I I didn't know he had in his locker um, to to kind of cut inside on his left foot like that. That that was something I never never knew that he could do. Um, Whether whether you could call it a swinger or not, you know, it's ended up in the top corner. So, um, you know, he's he's one player who he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's either going to be absolutely fantastic or he's going to do something a bit rash that that you know that, that raises a few eyebrows. But um, you know, whether we like it or not, whether you like Aurier or not, he he's a player who who tries to make things happen, um, which which is you know it can't be said for a lot of the other players on the pitch. A lot of the, we've got a lot of passive players. Mourinho criticised our, our aggression, which is which is something that I. I'd, I'd echo that we 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 seem to be second to a lot of the balls. We seem to be second into the tackles, and and we seem to be losing a lot of a lot of fifty fifties. Um, whereas Aurier, you know, he's he's always going to try and make something happen. He, he's always looking to go forward, um, and and you know, it, it's just a shame that we're looking at our our right back uh, as the the guy who wants to give us a bit of get up and go. Um, we just seem to be lacking that. Uh, that Jack Grealish, that that James Madison, that's someone in the team who who kind of gets a kick out of out of beating a defender. Um, the only player I can think of is, is Eric Lamella, who you know he's he's not very successful at it really. Um, Lo Celso, he he tries to make things happen. He's good at beating his man, but you know you just want to you want him to grab the game by the scruff of the neck, and you know we just we're just missing someone who who wants to make things happen, but. But you can't criticise Aurier. You know he's he's one who who does try and try and get us going in attacking areas. He holds his width well, and even though his end product isn't great all the time, um, he, he is he is trying his hardest, which you know is, is all we can ask for, and and a, and a great goal as well. So um, I'd say a good display, but he, it's a it's one position that we can certainly improve on. But you'd say that he was one of our better players this season so far. Well, Kev, arguably the key moment of the game, or certainly one of them, was Delhi Ali's header in the second half. If we go through and up, it's a different game. We might just end up sitting pretty at the full time. So he was leading the line yesterday, not on the score sheet. What was your assessment of him against Wolves? And was it any better than his recent offerings? 
Um, I don't think it was, um, if I'm being honest. I mean, he's, he's funny with Delhi. He, he tries hard, and I, I think he's I think he's a great player. Um, but he's very much a confidence player um, for me. Um, and I think um, without Kane and Son, you do lose a bit of of Delhi's game. Um, with him playing right up there, I didn't really think it, it worked. Um, but he does get in the box on occasion and, 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 and can score a goal. So I completely understand why he was there. Um, but like you say, I mean, that chance, that header, I mean, if he'd have, if he'd have buried that, then I, don't, I wouldn't have seen Wolves coming back from that. But um, I, I don't, I'd probably still rather have sort of Lucas and Bergvine a bit more advanced than Delhi. Um, I, I just don't think, didn't think it particularly worked. But um, like I said, so he's trying hard, but um, I don't think that's a position that I'd particularly favour him in, to be honest. Yeah, it didn't quite work yesterday, unfortunately. You just sort of hopefully feel there's a goal around the corner because we certainly need one. But that misheader was perhaps Tottenham's best chance to add to the score sheet in the second half. Failure to do so, sort of punished, not once but twice. And Cole, their second equaliser, came from neat build-up play. And I guess when you've got Darma Traore running at you, what else can you do? Yeah, I guess one of the things not to try and do is match him strength for strength that, at the moment. Right. There's, there's, there's not many people who are going to knock him off the ball, are they? And unfortunately, you know, that second goal kind of summed us up a little bit defensively, didn't it? You know, Tang, Tankanga goes in a little bit rashly and kind of gets out muscled. Um, you know, and let's face it, Traore did well to stay on his feet there because that was a hell of a collision. But then after that, it's just a horror show, isn't it? You know, Davies goes rushing in to try and win a tackle that then gets caught out um and it yeah it, it just defensively it just shows us what we are you know players not making the right decisions on the pitch you know people doing things they probably wouldn't normally do if you showed them that goal again say so, you know why was you rushing into a tackle there you know there's no danger until you go rushing in and once you do then you you open us up um but it, that that is the key isn't it for what what's happening to us at the moment you know these little errors these little mistakes you know they all come defensively and when you make mistakes at the back you, you're going to get you know it's going to cost you games um and we it's not even like we're learning though i think that's one of the things that's really annoying isn't it you know you can make mistakes and you can accept players making mistakes but as a unit, try to learn from it. And we just don't seem to be doing it because every week you're seeing the same sort of errors coming out from us as a team. And that is the worry with the coaching, the players, because, you know, most of those are experienced players on the pitch. And if they, you know, haven't learned to make the right call judgments at the right times as when to tackle, when to stand up, when to hold, um, you've got problems. But it, they say that second goal did just sum us up perfectly at the moment, a little bit all over the shop. No one really sure what they're doing and when to do it. Uh, and you get punished. And Wolves are a side that will punish you because they are great going forward. James, that second goal, in a nutshell, was that the difference between a team that plays 3-4-3 every week and knows what they're doing versus a team that has just tried this option and doesn't know what they're doing? It's basically, you know, the, the use of the system, the continuity from Wolves picked us off. Yeah, it's the difference between a team who, who knows their system. Um, and, and I said it on last week's pod about Wolves. Um, I was just jealous that they seem to know know their system and they, they play it for fun and they know exactly what they're doing. Um, whereas we, we are the the exact opposite. We don't have a, a system to play. Um, and and we, a lot of the time, we don't know what we're doing. And it, and it, and it is plainly obvious that, that we don't know what we're doing. There's no... There's no thought process. It's kind of just even the goals that we've scored are kind of a little bit, just a bit knee jerk, you know, and and uh, opportunistic, I'd say. Um, 
that said, I, I, I did quite like our system, the way that we set up. I think if you put Toby in for Dyer, uh, I, I, that's that's a, a starting eleven that I could I, I could live with. Um, I could I could see it growing. I could see us building upon it. Um, if Deli Ali is going to play that false nine role, give him a few weeks to get used to it. I think he he could he could play it. Um, and I think that it is is probably the the system that we that we could benefit from. You know, we've, if you've got Tanganga at the back. Um, then you've, we've got the pace aspect sorted, but he's also got two um, two solid defenders there to, to help him out um, where he lacks in, in experience. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Wolves, they, they know that system. They've been playing that system for a number of years now. They've got players who have been converted to, to play in that system. You know, players like uh, players like Sage is a, is, a, is a midfielder playing, playing at the back. Um, Doherty, a, a right back playing wing back. Um, and they've bought players to play those positions as well. That have been our great players like that, who specifically to play in a position. Whereas we haven't, you know, we we bought good footballers, and we're trying to to teach them a new system. Uh, I, I'd be happy to see him go with this system again. Whether he will, I, I don't know. Um, but it, I I like the the, the three four three. I've I've always liked it. Uh, and and he's, he is a little bit more stable, um, and it, and it doesn't leave players um, in the lurch. Kind of, there's there's always players around them to to, to help. It's always two on one rather than one on one. Um, so I, I could live with it if if this was the system that we employed. But uh, we we need to look at a team like Wolves and and try and copy that you know a, a system uh, and try and get get it into our players that. That there needs to be some kind of formula to the way that we're playing, rather than just playing off the cuff, uh, flicks and tricks, and hoping that, that one of these flicks pays off. Kev, if we were caught out by the equaliser, we were absolutely undone by Wolves' winner. So excellent build-up play by Diogo Jota for Raúl Jiménez slotted home. What could have been done better from our point of view, or is Jota's footwork just so good that he manages to take so many players out of the game, you almost have to stand back and think that was a really good goal. Yeah, I mean, it was a good goal, but once again, like the previous two goals and a lot of the goals that we're letting in the moment, it just seems to be um, individual errors um, or collective errors, uh, whether it be um, the centre-backs or the right-back or the left-back or the centre-midfielders. Um, it's just, it's getting frustrating. Um, and I agree with Carl, like he said earlier on, with, it just seems to be every week now. Um, I mean, some goals you can you can sort of look at and think, wow. Um, but I think every majority of goals are pre- um, preventable. Um, and I think he did. Was it he beat Davis to? Was it Davis he beat to um, to put it in the top corner? Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I thought because I thought it was Davis, but uh, I thought he could have done a lot better. Um, he was beaten a lot yesterday by not just um, Jimenez, but by a lot of their players and. Um, it's worrying the individual mistakes at the moment. That, that's probably the one thing that I'm most worried about with us. Okay, let's look ahead to next season now because I think we all want to get there. But um, when it comes to that, obviously before there's season ticket renewals, and I like many others will have to make a decision soon. And Cole, on the evidence of the games against Leipzig and Wolves, the atmosphere has been nothing short of dire, and that surely is going to be a factor in many people's decision makings when it comes to handing over their hard-earned money. Yeah, obviously, you know, it, as you say, Dan, 
we, we've been there a few times and, and I have to admit there is that feeling, isn't there, that you're, you're going more to kind of what seems to be a day trip as day out where it doesn't feel like you've got a hardcore in that ground constantly. Um, I know there, you know, there is a lot of talk about the old White Hart Lane atmosphere. And I think those who kind of have gone would always say it wasn't always great there, potentially. You know, there were games there where it wasn't great. But I think, unfortunately, you know, the greater capacity, you know, we do get a lot more day trippers there now. You know, you've got your people who are coming over um, who just want to come and see a game. And obviously we're in London, so you attract a lot of tourists anyway. Um, Then those people that are coming, if they're day trippers, they're not really there to sing um, and they're not going to create an atmosphere because uh, is it their club? Are they just there for the wow? Look at this ground. I can say I've been. I don't know what the club are going to do to try and resolve this because you sort of think there has got to be some plan put in place, I think, where we can kind of say, listen, we've built this great South Stand that's a kind of cop that we want it to be this wall of sound. We need to try and do something to get the right people in there, I think, that kind of can generate an atmosphere so that at least most match days, you know you've got a hardcore of fans that are going to be there creating an atmosphere. And what you will find is that atmosphere that they generate will have a knock-on effect, won't it, to everyone else. You know, everyone will start getting involved if the atmosphere is pumping. Um, But that is something the club have got to really think about and try and put a plan in place to resolve that. I don't know how you do it. You know, is it that you put it out there that, listen, if you want to sing, we're going to create a singing sort of environment. So those of you who want to sing, this is where we want you to be. Those of you who don't want to, then look for some tickets elsewhere. Um, that's the only way I can kind of see that they're really going to resolve this um, and get the sort of people who want that atmosphere all together. But, you know, obviously football is one of the main things. And, you know, if you're watching good football, then it kind of creates a better atmosphere as well, doesn't it? And and right now we've got the perfect storm, haven't we? Lots of day trippers, not great football. Those who are the hardcore are kind of a little bit down given everything that's gone on this year. And like, as you say, Dan, it just leads to what we've seen the last couple of home games, which is a little bit of a toxic atmosphere. And you started noticing at the end of that Wolves game, there are a few boos at the final whistle. And once you start getting that sort of atmosphere, then you've only got to look at the sort of things that happen, you know, St. James's Park, you know, West Ham with their crowd. Once that crowd turn and suddenly the atmosphere each week becomes toxic, that suddenly replicates onto the pitch even more, doesn't it? So if you think performances are bad now, once the players know the fans are really on their back, then things get even uglier, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think you might be right. James, you've been a couple of times this season. I know you've been pretty pretty critical of the lack of noise, especially from the South Stand. Now, the club are meant to be having some fan-based discussions with groups who are sort of looking to, to make change. That said, is there a risk where these sort of meetings, they all just become lip surface? Because really, it's just a case of, you know, the renewal window shuts in May. What can be done before then? Do you then take the risk of locking in for another season and the club don't sort of do their end of the bargain? So really, sort of stick or twist at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. Um, I, obviously, the club aren't just going to bow to what, whatever, whatever they get, uh, whatever feedback they get. Um, but... Yeah, it's it's whether they are going to listen to to the feedback. We, we've we've these meetings have happened before where and, and nothing really happens after it, which which is frustrating. Um, I think a lot of Spurs fans are feeling feeling the whole customer not fan thing at the moment, um, which is which is you know it's not great. Um, it's a difficult one with the new stadium, obviously, because it is 
the kind of place. It's an incredible place. It is. We are going to attract um, not not as many hardcore fans. It's going to be full of tourists, and that is just the way it's going to be. But I think Carl's hit the nail on the head with with just letting people reload. I'm sure it'll be one of the main themes of this meeting. It will be just allowing people to relocate and and getting that that hardcore back together. Those those people who do come to football matches to sing. They they can sit in the you know in the in the lower park lane and and try and get that atmosphere going because you know it, when it gets going it's absolutely fantastic and and all it takes is is one section of fans to to get it going and 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 then you know as, as soon as everyone else kind of catches on it's a brilliant noise inside the stadium and it, and it can't be equaled by the noisiest away fans they 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 cannot drown us out when 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 it's the whole ground but it is. You are just you know, even when you're at the ground, you, you find yourself not looking at the game. You find yourself staring at the south stand, just thinking, "Come on, just get something going. Somebody do something." You know, there's, there's got to be a, a group of lads, a, a group of supporters in that south stand who who are dying to get something going, but they they don't feel comfortable or they they feel like the, the people around them are going to get involved, and uh, you know. All we need is, is you know, an 1882 group like a couple of years ago. Just, just get get the, the voices heard, and and I'm sure we'd see an upturn in in, in performances on the field because it, it, getting behind the lads is, is one of the most important things. Uh, we made White Hart Lane a fortress because of uh, of how how noisy it was and how great it was. Um, and, and, you know, this should be the same. We've got a big, great stadium, but we don't want to get this reputation for it being a library like, like the Emirates. You know, it's 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 not what we want. And, and we were told so many times before the stadium was built that it was custom built for for atmospheric purposes, for the thought of the thought of every single nook and cranny to, to try and make it loud, to try and make it a, a, a fortress. Um, but it's it's just not going to work if if we don't have like-minded supporters sat near each other. And I think the relocation of supporters it, it has got to be one of the hottest topics. But you're absolutely right, Danny. It can't just be lip service. It has to be something that the club are going to take seriously. They're going to listen and they're going to take on board, and they're going to do something about it because because otherwise we, we we're going to see a, a bit of a downwards trend and. We are going to get a reputation for, for having a quiet stadium, which is which is not something we want. And when you talk of downward trend, Kev, if our trajectory of the season continues and say we finish mid-table with no European plans for next season, do you think this will honestly be the summer where the purse strings are finally loosened and we see the upheaval that's been promised for a while? Now, that's not to say there's an infinite amount of money, but you know we have been doing things cheaper rather than more expensive as of late. So if we say finish eighth, which is not everything that would be um, expected or hoped for at the start of the season. Do you think that's finally the magic gun where they fire the trigger and think, right, let's get spending? I really hope so. <laughs> I really hope so. I mean, I've been I've been on Levy's case for, for a few years uh, about spending money. And um, I would say, to be fair to him, he did spend a bit last summer, um, but it, it needs way more investment. Um, and not only that, the players that need to leave have to be we shouldn't be asking for silly prices for players that aren't worth very much. Um, like Wanyama, players like that, just just let him go on a free, sell him for one million, just get rid of him, get him out of the squad, get him off the wage bill so we can bring someone in. No asking for 12, 13 million for someone who hasn't played for two years. 
Um, that first of all needs to be done. Just get the, get out the players he doesn't want. Just sell them cheap, whatever you can get them for, um, and then allow Jose to bring in the players he wants to. Um, it has to happen this summer because I worry. I mean, this is probably everyone said that last summer um, was a big summer for us, but I think this summer is even more so um, because of the whole we've got Jose in. So you expect um, Jose to be allowed um, to spend money. Um, the whole thing with Pochettino was. Was was it Pochettino that was a bit more picky with the players that he wanted, or was it Daniel Levy um, with the whole stadium and stuff? Was it? So I think this summer he has to let Jose just bring in who he wants um, and get rid of who he wants. Um, it just has to happen this summer. Carl, I know you did one of those player tier things, not for me, but um, I think you had about twelve players leaving this summer, didn't you? Which, to be honest, when you look at the personnel involved, it's not the most ludicrous figure. However. I guess there has to be a sense of realism as to when they would depart. Look, could you see 12 players in a mass exodus or is this going to be something that takes, say, two, three windows for the axe to really be sharpened? I mean, to be honest, if, it, if we want to look to get back to where we think we want to be, then I think you do have to look to having a real serious cold this summer. You know, I do think there are some players there who, you know, I think have done a job and, you know, you'd send them on their way saying, well, listen, thanks for what you did. But, you know... Father Time has caught up with you, I'm afraid. And and if this club now needs to get back on trend and kind of push up, we, we don't think we're going to use you too much. But like as you say, I don't see that big mass exodus of half the squad um, that I kind of put out there. You know, I'd included players like Deli Ali in my players that I'd, I'd sell in the summer. But we've spoke about that before. You know, I'd look to now get this guy and use the money that we could possibly get for him, um, given I still think there's some value with him and possibly use him to try and be what Liverpool did with Coutinho. Um, but I think, you know, Kev is right what he says there. You know, when we've looked, Daniel Levy has tried to do it before by still asking top dollar for players who are not getting in our starting lineup. And clubs are obviously sitting there thinking, well, hold on a minute, why am I going to pay that sort of money for a guy that you don't clearly want and isn't getting a look in at your club? I do, I do agree. You've just got to ship these players out now. You know, if it's Wanyama... If it's six, seven million, just take the money, take the hit and you can move on. While you keep trying to push for these players to take the sort of fees that you're asking for, all you do there is you extend the time that they're with you because those clubs that are interested don't want to budge so quickly. They want to negotiate. You spend half the transfer window or more than that if you know if you top them trying to you know negotiate fees. Get it all done quickly get these blokes off the books and then let's look at bringing players in we need and do it early enough where we give Jose the time with them. Um, but like as you say, I don't think it'd be the big mass exodus that I think we probably need because I don't think we'll be able to get the players in to replace them. Um, it might be done over the summer and the January transfer window, but we don't really have the time to mess about right now because if we miss out on, say, Champions League this year, that's going to make the job of bringing players in even harder. Um, so this could be crucial this summer. It really could be. And this probably summer, you know, as Kev said, we've said it over the last two or three summers, but this one could be an amazing job to have to pull off. But let's just hope Jose is someone who's been brought in with plans ahead and someone who can attract sort of players just with his name because I think we're probably going to be looking at bringing people in without the glamour of Champions League football. Well, James, this is my next point, because when it comes to incoming, surely a lot of it's going to be down to brinkmanship between Jose and Levy, because we all know the manager has work to do. That's quite apparent at the moment from what we've seen on the pitch. 
However, if he's not given the necessary funds to make those changes in the summer, things could get very ugly at the start of next season. Yeah, they really could. And, and it was one of the things that we said when Jose was, was announced as our new manager. We thought, well, he, he must have these assurances. You know, he, he, he must have because he, he's not going to join a club like Tottenham, um, any club, if he isn't going to have the assurances that he can he can go out and buy the players that he wants. You know, he he had hundreds of millions of pounds at Man United and and still complained that it wasn't enough. So God only knows what will happen if if he gets the the peanuts that Levy was given Pochettino before uh, and and is expected to to turn this squad around because you know, as Carl says it is. It is a huge job that needs doing with this team, and it isn't just the the Endombele and the Lacelso and maybe the Cessignon that that Pochettino thought it was, or or, or, or Levy thought it was in the last last window. Um, it's it's bigger than that. We need, like I said about Wolves, we need to be buying players for for a system. We need to be thinking about what how we want to play football and and what kind of players fit that system and. And players that can really change our the the way that we're playing football at Tottenham at the moment because we we haven't got the the quality in the squad we haven't got the depth in the squad to to be able to to play a specific brand of football we also haven't got the the, the depth in the squad to to have a, a kind of plan B if it isn't going right if it isn't going our way then we need we need players to be able to to change things up and and especially if you take out Harry Kane and Son and Sissoko, then we, we really are left with, with a really thin squad and, and a real one-dimensional one squad, only one way of playing football. And, and if you you switch on to that, like Wolves did in, in the second half on the weekend, then it's very really hard for us to, to play and create anything. And yeah, I mean, Jose, he, he must have assurances. We, we, we said it about Pochettino, you know, this is the summer, he's going to get the funds. It, it, would be, it'd be criminal not to, and and yet we, we are in the situation that we're in. But you, you just don't, you think surely he wouldn't have taken this job without those assurances. And, and if promises are broken by Levy, you better believe we'll hear about it. And and you know he's he's not the kind of guy. He's not like Pochettino in that he won't make snide comments. He won't he won't make he won't make you know kind of cryptic comments. He's more the type to to go out and and say the way he feels. And and Levy won't like that. You know it could get a little bit ugly between the two of them if uh, if promises are broken. So let's just let's just hope that. Um, he had insurances and, and they are going to be stuck to because we are going to need a real revamp in the summer. And we've said it for the last couple of years, but this is this is the real one. This is a real big, big summer for us. Right, let's focus on Norwich this Wednesday. Kev, would you make more changes for the defeat to Wolves, i.e. bring Toby back in? More importantly, would you start Troy Parrott? Um, definitely, Toby. Um, 100% I'll bring him back in. Um, the FA Cup, we have to go for it. Um, the league... We don't know what's going to happen with the league position, so we don't know if we're going to get in Champions League. Um, I think we have to go for the FA Cup. Um, it's, just, it's just something we have to do. We've been deprived of the trophy for so long. Um, I would go as strong as possible. Um, I probably wouldn't start Troy Parrott. Um, I don't think we'll start anyway, because I think he's playing in the under-23s today, so that probably means that he won't be featured on Wednesday. Um, but... Um, we just have to go as strong as possible. Um, whether that means 
um, staying with the same teams we did against Wolves and just bringing Toby in. Um, I'm not sure where Larice is at. I don't know how long he's going to be out for. Um, but I don't think he'll be back for this game. Um, but we have to go for the FA Cup. Um, it's got to the point now where um, I would happily, if you said to me now, oh, we're going to finish 14th, but you'll win the FA Cup, bite your arm off for it. I don't think many people would argue, to be honest, Kev. Now, James, obviously, there's two games this week. We go to Burnley on Saturday. That won't be easy when you consider that Sean Dyche's men are unbeaten in their last six league matches. And they almost, dare I say, have an outside chance of Europe as well. So there's going to be something to play for there. Yeah, definitely. It's somewhere that we've struggled. We uh, we certainly struggled there last season. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's a completely different team. Um, we, we might see a completely different team to the team that we saw uh, on Sunday, you know, it, it's it's we're an impossible team to predict at the moment. Put it that way. Um, we we might put it together and it might go our way, but uh, alternatively, it, it might really not. Um, you think you think you know the way that Burnley play. Um, it's very stereotypical to say, um, but they 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 do play a certain brand of football that which means that we we should be prepared for them. Um, and you'd like to think that we had had enough quality and attack to to kind of. Um, you know, create something amongst them, even if we're not playing a specific system. But uh, you know, we should have enough at the back to to cope with their kind of brand of football and, and the way they play. Um, but it's been successful for them, so you never know. And you know, as I say, it's a tough place for us to go. Um, we, we've always struggled there, so hopefully, we can put that one to bed and. And hopefully we can we can get the Norwich game out of the way and start thinking about Burnley straight away because um, God knows we, we need to start picking up some points in the league. And Cole, after the recent BT Sport documentary and our striker crisis, how we could do with someone like Jimmy Greaves right now? God dear me, how much in today's market then? Well, you know, <laughs> a, a, an in prime Jimmy Greaves. Wow. I tell you, that, that bloke would probably be along the same lines as the sort of value that your messes and people like that are, aren't they? You know, what, what a player. And it's when you look back at some of the footage and the goals that the guy scored and you look at the career he had and, and the kind of goal ratio, it just makes you realise how special a talent he was and probably ahead of his time there because you look back at some of those old footage of the goals, he's skipping around players, leaving players for dust. And it is very, you know, there are similarities between the Messi, you know, the run, the ball is just glued to his feet. You know, he's jinking past players, drops to the shoulders and, and the finishing. It, it's just there. It's, it's top marks. And, you know, you go a long way to try and find a better finisher than him. And, and one of the proof in the pudding there is one of the other great finishers who probably, you know, was finished before he really got going was Brian Clough and he couldn't speak highly enough for Jimmy Greaves and when you look at both of those guys record if Clough's saying he was one of the best you know you really are talking about one of the very best I think Jimmy Greaves 100 million easy I don't think you get any change out of that right double bubble predictions so let's go to the Norwich game first Kev you're up first what's going to be the score on Wednesday <laughs> Well, I'll be there singing loud, um, so I'll glutton for punishment, but I think we will win. Um, I'm going to go for 3-1. 3-1, blimey, he's gone quite bold on the attacking front. James, what about yourself, mate? Uh, I'm going to go slightly less bold. Um, I'm going to go for a, a nice, calm 1-0 win, but still, yeah, still, still a Tottenham win. OK, and Cole, yourself? 
I think this one on Wednesday will win, but I think they'll put us through the ringer, Dan, and I'll say 2-1, and, and I think we'll go behind, probably. OK, I'll go for a... Um, there's no no replay this round, is there? Goes to extra time and penalty. So I'm going to go for one all, and we went on pens. So we're, we're in. We're into the hat for the sixth round. Right, moving on to Burnley. Kev, what's going to be the score on Saturday? Um, I'm going to go... Um, my heart's going to overrule my head. Um, oh, so I'm dangerous. Gonna... <laughs> I'm going to go for a 1 0 Tottenham. Okay, and James, yourself, mate? Uh, I'm going to go for uh, yet another 3 2. 3 2 to Tottenham this time. A thriller at Turf Moor. And Cole, yourself, mate? I'm going to go for a 2 1 defeat, I'm afraid, Dan. I can't see us getting anything at Turf Moor against Burnley. I think we'll score, but I think our leaky defence is going to come back and bite us, and we'll lose 2 1. I think it'll be a miserable 1 all, a miserable showing, but a point is a point. Right, a little bit of admin, and it's some good news because we've got our first 10,000 listeners on the show. So a huge shout to anyone and everyone who's taken the time to lend us their ears. Cole, anything to add to that? No, I think like as you say, Dan, you know, just massive thanks to everyone who's listening in each week. You know, you get to hear us and sometimes we probably talk some utter rubbish and you're all screaming at your phones and that. But, you know, without you guys, we'd have given up a long while ago. So every one of those listeners, we we owe a big thanks and, you know, we appreciate it and hope they carry on listening and we're always welcoming for feedback. Also, I just need to thank my guests. Kev, an absolute pleasure to have you on the show tonight. Thank you as always. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dan. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, shame we couldn't have come on in, in better circumstances, but hopefully next time on will be after a win. But I've enjoyed it. Yeah, we'll definitely have you on the show soon, hopefully before the end of the season. James, thank you as always, mate. You're very welcome, mate. Uh, can't wait for next week. Absolutely. Let's hope there's at least one. Actually, no, why not two wins? Let's hope we've got something to celebrate next Monday. And Cole, I hope you'll be joining us also. Yeah, it certainly will, Dan. And like I say, the other lads, let's hope we've got a win to talk about because, you know, we need the change of scenery, don't we? These Mondays are becoming a little bit depressing. Yes, Carl. Hopefully there's some light at the end of this very dark tunnel. Of course, thanks for the first 10,000 listeners. Here's to the next big milestone. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.